Entrepreneurs often have similar characteristics. Energy, passion, vision. But why do some soar to success while others struggle to climb? Less than 2% of women-owned businesses in North America ever achieve a million dollars a year in annual revenue. Why is that? And how do we dramatically increase that number? Welcome to Breakthrough with your host, Sarah Roach-Lewis. Sarah offers conversations with the ambitious women entrepreneurs in that 2% to help you break through. Now, here is Sarah Roach-Lewis. Well, hello, ambitious one. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Breakthrough. Perhaps you have a bold ambition or an emerging desire to hit the million-dollar mark and beyond in your business. You may be well on your way or just starting out. Regardless, the show is for you. I want to welcome Dr. Gina Page to the show today. Dr. Page is the co-founder of AfricanAncestry.inc, better known as AfricanAncestry.com. AfricanAncestry.com pioneered a new way of tracing African lineages using genetics and helps people reliably trace their roots. Dr. Page travels the world helping people demystify their roots and identities so that they may better understand who they are by knowing where they come from. Dr. Page has worked with and revealed the roots of the world's leading icons, including Oprah Winfrey, John Legend, Chadwick Boseman, Spike Lee, Condoleezza Rice, and the King family. Welcome to Breakthrough, Dr. Page. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm to be here. I'm so honored that you're here and that you're joining us today to talk about the work that you do and your entrepreneurial journey. So first off, I want to say happy anniversary. You, Thank you. It was last month you turned 17. Yep. 17 years in business. Can you believe that? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, when those milestones come along? I feel like a dinosaur in small business years. Well, you have a lot to share with us, so I do want to dig right into that. Um, tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do, how genetic tracing works, and, and really why you started this business. Okay, great. We started this business based on community demand. So my business partner is a geneticist. He was working on a major project that required the identification of the ancestry of bones in a burial ground. And it made the national media when the black community found out that it was possible to do this work for bones. They wanted to, you know, they inundated him with requests to do it for them. And what's unique about our audience, Sarah, is that black Americans, pretty much black people in the diaspora outside of Africa have no idea where exactly in Africa we came from. Amazing. We can't use the traditional genealogical records and research tools to get past, I'd say, 1870, because that's when, that's the first year we were recorded as human beings in a federal census in the United States. And so when people do genealogy, when black people do genealogy, we hit these brick walls instantly. But there's always this burning question of where was my family before Alabama, before Canada, before New York or Virginia or Haiti or Jamaica? And so what we do is we take the DNA of everyday people who, who, that they've inherited either only from their mother or specifically from their fathers. And then we compare a certain portion of that DNA 
to the DNA from people all over the world. And when we find people in the world with the matching DNA, we found genetic cousins, so to speak. And so we happen to compare our customers' DNA to the largest, um, the largest database of African DNA in the world. And so we're able to be very specific. We know we come from Africa. We know historically we come from West Africa. That's not the question. We don't want to know we come from this region or that region. People want to know the tribe and the country. And we're the only company that can do that. Amazing. And so what inspired you to really make these make that decision to have this focus for your business? Well, you know, it really was, again, the need, the consumer demand. It's a, it's a, the question of where I'm from is one that can be answered pretty much by every other group except Black people. So it's a clear niche. And the, and the consumer told us, we want this answer. And so it's pretty simple, you know, supply and demand, a core economic <laughs> principle. Uh, they said they wanted it. And so we had the supply and we created the company to meet that demand. Incredible. So you've been doing this, I mean, 17 years in, in this sort of genetic research is so long, right? I mean, you're a pioneer in this. You're also really different than the other players in this industry. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the decisions that you made that differentiate you from your competitors? Absolutely. That's a thank you for that question. No one's ever asked me that question in that way. Um, hopefully, I can hear this recording and write that question down. <laughs> but anyway, um, we made several decisions. The first was to have a very specific target market, which is people of African descent. And we started off pretty much African-Americans. Um, and that's still our core target, although you know people from the 66 countries around the world have taken our tests. Wow. The second decision we made was to not sell or share our customers' genetic information. That has been our standard since day one. Uh, that was an important decision for us as an African-American company for two reasons. One, when we started in 2003, this was so new and uh, people just weren't going to give us their DNA without that assurance. And then two, we understand as African-American um, uh, researchers the history of how the DNA and genetic material of people of African descent have been handled uh, by the scientific community. We can talk about the Tuskegee experiment. We can talk about Henrietta Lacks. There are many, many examples. And so we wanted to um, respect our customers and handle their information uh, ethically and morally. And then the third reason that, or the third way that we differentiated is by providing specific information. Today, our colleagues in the market will tell you that you're some percentage African and that percentage is broken up across basically all these regions they've 
created for themselves in West Africa, not answering the question of where specifically I'm from. And so we focus on certain branches of the family tree rather than your entire genetic family makeup. Okay. And so making that decision, and so when we look at that sort of that last piece first, so you are able to really drill down and tell someone incredibly specific things about their past. How how did you go about sort of the actual process of figuring that out? And then what impact does that have on your customers to know I am from this tribe? Yeah, well, in terms of uh, the process of figuring that out, as I mentioned, my business partner is a geneticist. And so he'd done 12 years of research before we even started the company to identify the specific areas within our DNA that inform for uh, ancestry. Okay. He also, during that time, collected samples, DNA samples from people all over Africa making sure that we had worked with uh, historians and anthropologists to uh, ensure that we had populations that contributed to the transatlantic slave trade. Wouldn't make sense for us to have a database full of East Africans, because when we look at the period just before slavery, our ancestors were on the West and Central Coast of Africa. So that's the, the determination how, you know, how the process was sort of laid out or the foundation of the process. In terms of how it impacts people, the impact is almost indescribable. So, you know, we go through life as parts of, as members of families, we learn family traditions, practices, we get family names, all of these things that identify who we are. But if you're me, there were no pages in Africa. The people that I came from didn't speak English before a plantation. Uh, We were not allowed to honor our ancestors and venerate our ancestors. We had to, you know, that was considered voodoo and witchcraft. And so we had to conform to Christianity. And during the period of slavery in the Americas, our families were sold apart constantly. And so, we walk around with this void of not knowing really who we are. When you find out that you share ancestry like I do through maternal lineage with the Fulani people living in Nigeria today, now I can explore the culture, the values, the traditions, the beliefs, the cultural practices of the Fulani and see what of that was retained in my family as I know it today. The other thing it does is it allows us to honor that woman. So I every day can honor a Fulani woman, not just a random idea of a woman. Now granted, I don't know her name, I don't know her address, but she was a Fulani woman who made it through the most horrific period in our world history. Through and I, I, you know, we don't have time to talk about everything she went through. But for me to be here today, and that woman's DNA is in my body today, and so that gives me a sense of empowerment. It gives me a sense of pride, a sense of connection, uh, and and a foundation 
that I take with me and, and look, I've been in business for 17 years. You know, I have achieved a level of personal and professional success that I can directly attribute to that knowledge. It's so extraordinary. It gives me goosebumps. I listened to a couple of other podcasts with, uh, with you, and I was really struck, one in particular, um, when you were talking with Dr. Alex Gee on Black Like Me, and he just so eloquently talked about the impact of learning about his past that it's had on its life. And, you know, I, I think about that. I know that my family are... I come from a line of fishermen, of fishers that can be traced back to, you know, the 1600s and off the coast of France. And that really, you know, gives me a a strange sense of comfort. Um, And so I was really struck by how you are creating this business that is making such a profound impact on people's lives because that understanding the past does provide provide I think for healing and also this powerful sense of self to move forward in life it does and you know the the frustrating thing from a business perspective is that our customers almost don't even recognize the void until it's filled Mm -hmm. and so that's a real marketing challenge right how do you convince someone just trust me. <laughs> you're gonna, you're going to feel different about this, even though you can't see it, even though you don't even maybe know it's there or that it's missing. And t- I'm not going to say every single time, but time after time after time, people are like, wow. It's just a wow. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So what is the role when we talk about marketing? What is, how important is it? for you to be doing this work with well-known figures like Oprah Winfrey. How does that help with that marketing piece? Having uh, celebrities and notables take our test was our very first marketing strategy. Because Sarah, when we started this business, we had $1,200 and a database of DNA lineages. Right. That's it. We couldn't afford ads. We couldn't, we couldn't afford anything. I had a friend from high school who just happened to do PR for a science publisher. And he was our PR person. Um, and so it's been very important because one, it gets us media coverage. But two, it gives us social proof uh, for a community. And, you know, today, in today's society, we only want to do what celebrities do and, <laughs> you know, and notables. And so it helps us, it helps validate us in the eyes of customers when we don't have a major multi-million dollar marketing budget. And it kind of reminds me that little bit about, I used to always say when I organize conferences and events, um, there's a little bit of like giving people what they think they want. And then, Um, like to sell them what they think they want, but then when they get there, give them what they actually want, but don't know. So it's a little bit of the same, you know, you're giving them what they think they want, which is the same cachet as celebrities and notables. But when they do the test, they find out this really impactful information about themselves. Exactly. Yeah. So talk to me then a little bit about, um, 
you know, again, back to that first conversation, how we started this about some of those ways that you were different than your other players, you made a decision not to take a, a you know, external investment. What, oh, yeah. what has been the impact of that both, you know, in the challenge and the joy? The decision to not take inter- external investment has slowed our growth. Um, has, and, and that's because we just, we've had to rely on our profits when we have them <laughs> to reinvest those to fund our efforts. Um, the decision to not take external investment, however, enabled us to continue to run the company according to the principles and values that we'd established. And quite honestly, has enabled us to remain black owned, which is very important to us. And not to say that there are not black investors because there are, and we are, um, that has become a bigger opportunity for us over the years. But certainly in the beginning, there were not as many. And, and, and the, the, our, comp- our colleagues have really raised awareness of this industry, right? So even though uh, they're so much bigger than us and they, they steal our customers sometimes, uh, they have raised awareness of the category in the industry. And so um, there are more people who are looking at the benefits of this from a business perspective. And that has opened up um, opportunities for us among investors that look like us which is my very important it yes i i i absolutely respect that that decision to follow your values and trust that the money will come eventually rather than chase the money and 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 really um potentially impact those values on your company Gina, I'm going to take us to break right now, and we'll be back in just a moment with Dr. Gina Page from AfricanAncestry.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach-Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. 
Welcome back to Breakthrough. My name is Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I'm here with Dr. Gina Page from AfricanAncestry.com. And I just want to kind of continue to talk a little bit about um, marketing and, and some of those decisions that you made around how do you promote your company. But just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of the interesting things that can happen when you're being, your company is being promoted. So, I, you know, this is a great story. Now, one of the things, and I would encourage anybody who is an entrepreneur to join a business group, a group of like-minded entrepreneurs that are that um, provides training and networking. So I am a part of such a, such a group. And when I, I joined that group in maybe like August 2017, and they kept pressing me to do Facebook advertising. And I was like, oh, I don't know. We don't have any money. Ugh. November 2017, we started doing Facebook advertising. February 2018, uh, we were all excited. The whole country was excited, world really excited about the release of the movie Black Panther. And on February 14th, three days before the release of the movie, uh, we started getting all these calls to the office, and most of them were black men. Now, February is a big month for us because in the United States, it's Black History Month. And that is our biggest month of the year, save for December. And so we were used to the increase, to increase volume, but not like this. And so um, I, picked a, I took one of the calls and I asked the guy, how did you hear about us? And he said, Chadwick Boseman, who we know is the Black Panther, was on The Breakfast Club, a syndicated radio show, <clears throat> which also has a huge YouTube following. Uh, and he talked about African ancestry. He did a commercial, about a three-minute commercial. Look it up on YouTube. Go to about 30 minutes in, and you'll hear it. And I was like, what? So we all, my office is all women. So we all gather around one desktop and we're, you know, hurry up, get to the, find the clip and fast forward. And we went to maybe like 25 minutes so we wouldn't miss it. And we literally heard this, the Black Panther T'Challa himself telling Charlemagne, the host, that he took Charlotte, that he had taken a DNA test, and Charlemagne was like, oh yeah, I did that too. And so Chadwick says, well, what test did you take? No, what did you find? And Charlemagne goes, uh, I'm 97% East African, I mean, West African. And Chad says, you took the wrong test. Uh-huh. And goes on to explain how he had taken AfricanAncestry.com and the impact it had on him. And when I tell you, the guy who d- did our Facebook advertising, he took it as a, cl- he took the clip and he ran Facebook ads wow. and our volume increased 20 fold. Wow. So if, if we were doing five orders a day, we went to a hundred orders a day. Amazing. Now that's amazing. Yeah. However, <laughs> we never sold a hundred orders in one day ever in the history of our company. And so we ran out of inventory. And at this time we were actually assembling our kits. So we didn't even have the components to assemble. So that while it was great and I, there's absolutely nothing bad about that experience. We ended up having to then manage the expectations of our 
customers and let them know that due to extremely high demand, um, it was there was going to be about a two week delay in them getting receiving their test kits. And we may have had three or four orders canceled, but everyone else, you know, was fine. That's so cool. That's such a great story. Yeah, it was amazing. You know, what a wonderful problem to have, right? (laughs) And I don't know Chadwick Boseman. We are not friends. So it wasn't like he hooked a friend up. He just did what was the right thing to do. That's amazing. That's it, it, and that really, I think, circles back to speaks to the what you're trying to do as a business in terms of working only with black scientists and making sure that you are um, really focusing in on this target audience and treating them with care. So, Gina, one of the things that I'm curious about because you know, we're all a little bit afraid of things that we don't know about. And uh, certainly there's a lot of conversation around our DNA and how these things are captured and who owns that. So can you talk to me a little bit about how you manage that as a, as a company? We, ma- we manage people's concern about their genetic information um, with transparency. And again, this approach has been an integral part of our business model since before day one. So it's nothing new. Um, Again, we don't sell or share our customers' information. Everything is barcoded so that when we send a person's genetic sample to the lab, they have no personal They have no access to the personal information. They don't know who it is. They don't know whether the only, they don't know whether it's a man or a woman even, except for if they're doing a paternal test and only men can take that test. So they know it's a man. But other than that, um, we have a contract with our lab so that uh, every uh, maybe six to eight weeks, the, the genetic material is completely destroyed at the lab. We don't even give, we don't give any information over the phone unless the person has um, provided a kit ID number. And so if a husband calls because he bought the kit for his wife, we won't even give the husband the information. If it's somebody we know, we won't, e- we won't give them the information. You have to have the kit ID number. So we have a number of checks and balances built throughout our process to maintain our customers' confidentiality. That's so terrific. I think, you know, when we're, when we're working on these, on these new things, it is, I'm sure it brings your customers such comfort to know that you're, keeping their personal information with such care. Yeah. And you know, if I could just add quickly, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting time because we daily get questioned about what are you going to do with my DNA? And people will have told me personally, I haven't taken your test because I don't know what you're going to do with my DNA and I'm very concerned. And I'll ask them, do you go to the doctor? They say, yes. I say, have you ever given blood? They said, yes. I said, did the person handwrite your name on the tube, on the label? Yes. Did you ask them where it was going? No. Did you ask them what they were going to do with it? No. Did you ask? 
We don't even, we don't even, there's some things we don't question because the value of what we're going to get is so high that we're going to do it regardless. Yet, for something as important as this, you just don't even consider it because you don't know where your DNA is going. Well, your DNA is already out there. (laughs) But so it's an interesting quandary that people are facing. And we feel the impact of that. Yeah, I bet. Do you think about, I mean, I I think going back to that, um, you know, these transformational changes that you're making in people's lives, knowing that you have that impact, are you then thinking about other ways that you can build on that impact? Yes, we are. We think about it all the time. And so today, you know, we consider ourselves to be in the identity business. We happen to use DNA, but we use DNA to help Black people with their psychological well-being, if you will. There is certainly an opportunity, as our colleagues in the industry have demonstrated, to help people, so for us it would be Black people, um, with their physical wellness using their DNA. And so uh, that is definitely something that we are researching and um, trying to figure out, you know, how can we do this again for a community that is so sensitive because that requires researching your DNA, sure, which is something we have not done. And so we, you know, we have to figure out how we manage that, um, that need against what it would take to deliver the need. Sure. Yeah. Um, When you, Think about some of these decisions that you've made in your business. Uh, Can you talk to me about a time maybe when you've had to level up? What did you tell yourself? Who did you talk to? How did you make those sorts of decisions? The hard hard decisions. Sarah, I have to level up all the time. Um, So uh, I'm trying to think of a a specific example and I, I, Nothing's coming to mind, but I can tell you how I handle it. So there are a number of people that I talk to. Um, it's, it's a little difficult because the way our company is run, I, my business partner handles the science, and then I handle everything else. And so I don't really have a peer-to-peer sounding board within my company. Um, I have a business advisor slash mentor who I talk with about certain things. Um, I have a financial advisor that I talk to if that, you know, if that's the issue. And then as I mentioned, I'm part of this mastermind group. Uh, and so uh, we can, I have, an, I have access to a network of other entrepreneurs that can help me Um, You know, be it that decision to start doing Facebook advertising, for example. There was a lot of peer pressure from that group, like, Gina, what are you waiting for? And don't be scared. You know, you've got, (laughs) there's a phrase, I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard it, but scared money doesn't make money. You can't, (laughs) you you can't be scared. So, you know, I had the support of them that the, the modeling of other people in the group who were in the same position as me, who decided to take the leap and had excellent results so I have a I have a why I have a, um, a, a business coach 
who's, who acts as a psychologist in many ways. So, you know, I have a lot of different um, people and some that I pay, some that I don't, that help me depending on what the issue is. But, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you just, if you're, if you're nervous, if you, you know you need to level up and you just can't do it and it's really hard, sometimes you just have to sit with it. You just have to sit with it and then, okay, look, we got to do this. Put your big girl panties on and you're not, you're not accomplishing anything. You're not accomplishing anything by not doing it. So just try. I mean, you, and, and the other thing I'll say is you, you can't succeed without failing. So you can't be afraid of failure. You have to try. And if you fail, to me, that just takes, takes you closer to, brings you closer to the success. Yeah. So tell me about a time where you failed and, you know, what did that look like? And then how did it show up later on as a win? So back in, <clears throat> gee, I don't know, maybe 2008, or 2009, we decided to create an infomercial. And we worked with this direct marketing company down in Florida, this infomercial company. We invested in this infomercial, but we didn't quite have the resources to invest in the media buy. And so we decided to handle all the calls ourselves. Well, that was okay because we didn't really get many calls because <laughs> while the infomercial looked good and was informative, I think it was before its time. Like today, it would be a webinar and it would probably perform off the chain, um, which is something that's in the works from a marketing standpoint. Um, but I invested a lot of money in producing that um, infomercial and I felt like, man, I just, you know, did we really have that money to, to wait, to lose? But what it did was it helped me to look at the business differently. It helped me to look at marketing the business differently. It gave me um, content that we could use and it prepared me for future um, interviews, you know, television interviews, future um, um, video content that I've been a part of. And so I, it, it was a win. And it also made me realize, okay, you can't, if you're going to do something like that, you have to go all in. You can't do it halfway. So you can't produce it, but then not buy all the media, the, the airtime you need. So I got a lot of lessons like that. That's a really, that's a great example. Thanks for sharing that. Tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial path. So was entrepreneurship in your DNA? <laughs> Absolutely. Unbeknownst to me. So when I was like eight years old, I live in Washington, D.C. And this, this I'm older than you would think. Um, but there was an amusement park that was had just opened and my cousin and I wanted to go and our parents were, it cost $5 and our parents were like, okay, well, where are you going to get the $5? And so we created a magazine. We wrote it. Now, this is what's so funny. Of course, they had to print it 
they paid they paid more than five dollars and buy it <laughs> or more than ten dollars right uh, <laughs> but um it taught us the spirit of if you want something you work for it and then you 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 uh are able to get it and then when i was in college after i graduated from college i didn't really know what i wanted to do hadn't gone to the career services center like everyone else came home and decided to start a care package delivery service that targeted college freshmen in Washington, D.C. We have a lot of universities here. And that was actually quite a success. And I just always knew that I wanted to work for myself, uh, but didn't know exactly how or what. And so I looked at people who were doing things I thought were interesting. They all had MBAs. I got an MBA. Went but when you get an MBA, you're really pushed into the product management field. So I thought, well, I'll go to a major corporation. I'll learn how to manage businesses on their dime, and then I'll do it for myself, which is what happened. I went to Colgate Palmolive. I went to Sara Lee Bakery, learned how to launch new products and line extensions so that when this African ancestry opportunity presented itself, I knew how to do it. And my network of of professional peers were all people who could help me in the different areas bring it to life. Hmm, that's really neat. And it's really, you know, it's common as I am having these conversations, I sort of start to see these common threads. And that really is one too, is, you know, um, starting out in corporate and taking that really key knowledge to translate into your own business. It's neat. So I'm just going to take us to break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Gina Page. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you ready to grow your business to the next level? Check out SRL Solutions for more information on training, coaching, and lots of resources for building your business sustainably and profitably. As a partner who helps you strategize and plan, Sarah Roach-Lewis helps you turn your vision into reality. She helps you identify the right area of focus at the right time. Visit srl.solutions to find out more and for a free consultation. That's srl.solutions. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Breakthrough with Sarah Roach-Lewis. To reach Sarah or her guest on today's program, please send an email to sarah at srl.solutions. Again, that's sarah at srl.solutions. Now, back to this week's episode of Breakthrough. Welcome back to Breakthrough. My name is Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I'm here with Dr. Gina Page. Gina, tell me a little bit about, um, well... <laughs> 
Welcome back to Breakthrough. I'm here with Dr. Gina Page. Gina, you are one of less than 2% of women who have achieved seven figures and beyond in your business. So congratulations. We don't always stop to reflect on that. So I would love to hear how you celebrate success. Ah, you know what's so funny, Sarah? I, in 2007, we made a million dollars in revenue. But I was so caught up in growing the business and I and I'm not a numbers person. I come to entrepreneurship through marketing. Finance is a weak or accounting is a weakness. So I didn't really pay attention. So I didn't I didn't celebrate that. I don't even I'm not quite sure I even knew until a few years later when I went and looked at the trend of our volume. But in twenty eighteen our business tripled. And, wow. and we went from being a $700,000 business to a $2.1 million business. And so I felt every, I felt every one of those kits. <laughs> and so we made it a point to celebrate. So what we did was we kind of did the road to 2 million. I think maybe like in October when we realized, oh, wow, this is, you know, okay, let's pay attention here. I had a contest with my employees um, to get to 2 million. We made one of those kind of thermometer things to, to track where we were each week. And um, <clears throat> when we, the day we hit a 2 million, um, we just stopped. We had some champagne. We turned up the music. We danced. We celebrated. Um, and so that, was, I think, was really important because while I'm the face, you know, I'm not the one who answers the calls. I'm not the one who's always answering the emails or sending out the kits. Don't get me wrong. I still do those things, but that's not my main role. And so it's important for the entire team to feel and recognize that sense of accomplishment. Um, but I think that's about it. I'm really not that good at celebrating the successes. And I think that's some, that's a flaw that many entrepreneurs I know have. We, we must do better at that. And even if it's just stopping and, you know, not having champagne, but just toasting to the accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to be, spend our time in the weeds and then to lift our head and say, and just have that moment of like, Look at what we've done. You know, another way to do it, Sarah, and I noticed, so we were, um, I wanted to, I was working with our, oh, we were looking at getting a, I can't remember. I, maybe it was a loan, but I don't know why we needed, oh, 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 yeah. So our, before it was in 2017, and I actually was very worried about the health of African ancestry at the end of that year and whether or not we'd make it another year. And so I was looking at our financials and we got a banker and I thought they'll never give us a loan. And my accountant said, Gina, just tell the story. Look at the last three years and tell the story of how you got to this position. And so when I looked at the last three years, I was able to recognize, wow, we're still here because of the way I manage the business. And, oh, we did this in 2015. Oh, yeah, and we did that. And so just by looking at the financials, I was able to stop. And instead of beating myself up because I thought, oh, my God, we're about to run out of money, 
I was able to say, wow, we're, we're here because of these good decisions that I made. So that was another way for me. I really felt good about myself as a leader because I stopped and I looked at, just looked at the past three years. Yeah. Wow. That's such a great exercise. And it leads me to a question around confidence. So we talk about confidence all the time, right? And it's one of those questions that sometimes irritates me because I think I'm confident. Um, And then I got to uh, this year sort of having a moment of, I'm confident except when I'm not. (laughs) So I'm curious to know over the years, like, you know, have you always just had this inherent confidence that you can just go out and do those things? Um, or is it, so, is it a, a muscle that you flexed and built over the years? You asked the best questions. Ah. <laughs> so here's what, I'll, here's what comes to mind when you ask that question. I was at, um, we, so the Henry Louis Gates did this special called African American Lives One. That was b- before Finding Your Roots. It was his very first one. And he used our test in each one of those Um, specials. That's how we tested Oprah, Quincy Jones, people like that. And we went to a PBS screening and my father, my parents were there and my, some, I overheard someone asking my father, you must be so proud of your daughter. And my father said, she's just doing what she's supposed to do. And I was like, at first I was like, dang, he didn't say yes, but then I was like, <laughs> I was like, but he's right. And I think that's my, that's what guides me. I, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And as African ancestry has grown and stayed around, I realize more and more every day that I am led by the ancestors. I am doing this because they want this done. It has absolutely nothing to do with me because it would be sheer foolishness to endure some of the stuff I endure. You know, I could go get a corporate job and not work every day of every week for the past 17 years. Um, So I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so now, 17 years in, and this has probably been for the past two years, when when I feel my confidence shaking, I just remember that that I've been called to do this. It might sound cheesy. It, it would have sounded cheesy to me three years ago, but now I just know. And so what's going to happen is going to happen. I don't know if that's confidence. Um, I certainly have crises of confidence yeah. occasionally, but in general, um, I believe that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, that certainly would help with that, you know, just that feeling of groundedness. I'd love to get your advice for women who they're either just starting out or they just really want to do what you did, you know, that 700,000 to 2.1. What is your advice for women who are at that stage? (laughs) Well, mine happened thanks to Chadwick Boseman, so that... I don't know if I'm if it's really if I'm really qualified to give advice about that. But what I will say is, um, first of all, if you're just starting out, I think your numbers are the most important thing. So I always say, 
get an accountant. That should be your first investment because if you're, if you aren't, that'll take you down. Your taxes, not understanding your P&L, all of those things will take you down. So numbers are very important. Um, but then in terms of poising yourself for growth, I think you have to be, you have to be courageous. You have to look at what is possible. You know, what are the things available to you to help you grow? And then once you evaluate which one makes the most sense, go for it. Because you're not going to grow if you don't take the leap. You have to take the leap. That's, that's what I learned. If we had not started doing Facebook advertising, then when we got that shout out from him, it just would have been a shout out. Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to amplify that message. And, and the amplification of the message is what um, brought it home for us that you know, that shot of explosive growth. That's amazing. We know that women face, you know, particular challenges in business and that they're often amplified for women of color. I'd love to hear what your experience has been in terms of, you know, being a, a woman in business for the past 17 years. We, I, I talk with my friends about this kind of question because for me, I can't sell, separate being black and being a woman. Sure. Okay. I just, it's impossible. Mm -hmm. And um, for that reason, I can, I never really know if what I'm experiencing is because I'm black or because I'm a woman. Um, I have not, I think I've faced more conflict more um, challenges because we are a black owned business rather than because we're a woman owned, woman led business. Um, the one time I recognized a challenge as a woman, two times actually, is when I've been with men in, across the table from men with my male business partner. And they, they address everything to him when it's very clear that he, he knows nothing about the business, <laughs> nothing. He, he is a hell of a geneticist, but he knows nothing about the business. So in those cases, I know it's because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. But in terms of the day-to-day -day management of our business and the marketing of our business, I have a unique challenge because um, Black-owned businesses are held to a higher standard by the black community than any other business. And so we're constantly faced with um, challenges. You know, if you make a mistake, people go online and trash you and never gonna do business with any black business ever again. It's like each black business represents all black businesses for the for no eternity. No pressure. <laughs> um, but I have to say that um, being a black woman entrepreneur, I think, I believe, gives me an immense power that no one else can enjoy because black women, I mean, 
we are the we are the foundation of everything. We're the foundation of families. We're the foundation of communities. We're the foundation of nations. Women, but then Black women, if you think about, everyone comes from a Black woman in Africa. So um, I think that, I believe that gives me a power. And um, I surround myself with Black women in my office and in my professional network to, to, to have that support. All the time. That's so amazing. And I love that because I was reading some stats the other day and women of color are growing businesses at three times the rate of, and so I think what excites me about that is the different and interesting problems that are going to be solved. And, you know, you're the shining example of that with this really cool thing that you're doing. So tell me a little bit about what's next on the horizon for you. What are you focusing on? What is your bold vision for Gina Page and AfricanAncestry.com? You know, it's so interesting. Um, This isn't bold, but it is sort of revolutionary for me. We are focusing on the basics. We are taking it to the basics. Right now, we, I feel like we're almost in a hibernation phase. Mm-hmm. We're, we function in an e-commerce world, but I realized two years ago that we don't really act as an e-commerce company. Mm-hmm. We don't have the, or we haven't had the funnels and the, you know, the lead magnets and the SEO and all of these fundamental basic ABCs of being an e-commerce business. So that's what I'm focused on right now, redesigning our company's marketing strategies to capture all this low-hanging fruit that's just laying on the ground rotting because I don't come, you know, I'm not a millennial. I didn't start my business in the age of e-commerce. And so, like, I really am a dinosaur. So there's a retooling and a retrenching that's going on at African Ancestry and a lot of R&D. Because like I said, we have a lot more to offer Black people in terms of wellness. And so we, we can't let our colleagues in the industry continue to... Um, lead the way in that for black people we have a responsibility and we have the credibility and the know-how to do that uh, ourselves and so and so that's african ancestry and then this is really scary and i i don't know how i'm doing this but i i'm launching my personal brand i do a lot of speaking i do a lot of traveling for african ancestry um and that's the most fun part of what i do and so we're now i have a team that's honing in on gina page dna um creating a website I have a in a social media presence that is so embarrassing to me, Sarah. I can't, every they post all these pictures of me, and I'm like, do we have to have pictures of me? And they're like, yes, it's Gina Page. You have to have your own picture. So that has been um, a real challenge for me. I don't mind. I love standing on stages and speaking to thousands of people, but. I, I don't want you, I don't want to be the one that says, hey, look at me. Hey, which I think is a, is a challenge for many women. And so uh, that's, that's my big personal hurdle is promoting myself and feeling comfortable with that. 
well, you'll just have to go back and listen to your own advice from a few minutes ago. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> take the leap. <sighs> it's hard. It's easy to give advice. It's hard to take it. <laughs> it really is. But, you know, I think that's so extraordinary that you're doing that because you do will then have this platform, not only to talk about uh, AfricanAncestry.com, but all of these other things that you're passionate about and being able to inspire women to find the thing that drives them. So I, I'm excited to, I'm going to go find your page right now. <laughs> well, get ready to look at pictures of me because I feel like that's all there is. <laughs> well, um, once we're done, I will grab all of that social media content from you so I can share that with my listeners so they can thank check you. you out as well. Thank um, you. But listen, I do want to say thank you so much for your time and your energy and your wisdom. This has been a terrific conversation. Oh, thank you. And you know, I don't think of myself as a as an expert necessarily. I don't think of myself as a role model, but I do appreciate that um, you've uncovered some things that I can share with other, with my sisterpreneurs out there. And I thank you very much for sharing the, the, the African ancestry experience with your listeners. Yes, it's fascinating. Um, and so before we leave today, I just want to say a few things. I want to say thank you to Cal PEI and my cousin Ellen McPhee for leaving uh, reviews on iTunes. It really means a lot and it helps more people find the show. So if you enjoyed this episode um, or the show in general, please take a minute to leave a review and a ratings on iTunes. I also want to acknowledge that it's March. How did that even happen? <laughs> Let's do a little gut check. Are things going according to plan in your business? Do you have a plan? Um, the truth is you can go along quite nicely without a plan, but I can tell you that in my experience and uh, what my clients have told me is like, once it's in place, it feels like a weight has been lifted. There's lots of other business benefits to growing, like growing your revenues, but it's just the feeling alone of having a good solid plan in your business is worth it. So head on over to my website. I have a training that will help you develop a plan for your next 90 days in 90 minutes. Gives you the power to just show up and run your business with confidence. And it is my gift to you because I want to interview you on this show one day. And no matter where you are right now, you get to seven figures one quarter at a time. My name is Sarah Roach-Lewis, and I hope you'll join me next week on Breakthrough. Thank you for tuning in to Breakthrough. Be sure to join Sarah Roach-Lewis again with another inspiring interview next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, have a great week.